welcome to Brain Chat. I'm Dr. Mitzi Joy Williams, your board-certified neurologist and MS specialist, and my mission is to engage, educate, and empower those affected by MS to become an active part of their healthcare team. Here on Brain Chat, we'll be discussing all things MS, health and wellness, advocacy, and we'll even throw a little bit of music and music therapy in there as well. Thank you so much for joining us and stay tuned for the next episode. Happy Monday, everybody. It's Dr. Mitzi, the nerdy neurologist. I am so excited to be here with you for today's brain chat. I bid you greetings from New York City. I'm on location, I guess, so to speak, but I have an amazing guest with me today. And we are talking about mental health and wellness, which is really important, I think, for everyone, but particularly for those dealing with a chronic condition like multiple sclerosis. Um, But we're very excited about today's episode. Um, You know, mental health awareness is Mental Health Awareness Month. And so I figured what better way to kick off the month than to have a talk about um, mental health awareness um, and multiple sclerosis. All right, so let's get the party started. I'm going to introduce my wonderful guest, Dr. Christy Jackson, who is a board-certified psychiatrist. Um, she graduated from Morehouse School of Medicine, my alma mater, and we also went to Emory University together as well. She is an adult psychiatrist, and she's also a medical director in utilization review and management, and I cannot wait to get into today's discussion. Welcome, Dr. Jackson. <laughs> You are a brain chat pro, so you know how this works. All right. So um, while we're getting started, I also want to thank our sponsors, Biogen, IDEC, and the National MS Society. All right. Very good. So mental health, wellness, um, you know, is so, so important. Um, So first, tell us how you got interested in psychiatry um, and, you know, how you got started in working, you know, in the mental health space. Ooh, that's a scandalous question. <laughs> well, just so, give us the clean version. <laughs> honestly, when I went to, um, and you may not remember this, Ms. when I wanted to go to medical school initially, I went to school to be an OBGYN. Psychiatry was nowhere near. I didn't know um, that. Yes, ma'am. I was trying to find a cure to ovarian cancer and mm. do all the pap smears and eradicate preventable STDs mm-hmm. or now STIs. Mm-hmm. Um, my interest in psychiatry actually started when I did my rotation at Georgia Regional Hospital, which I'm sure you survived and remember. I did. I was about to ask <laughs> my ended, honey. Absolutely. So I, uh, you're a mess. So I did the rotation and survived. It was like my second rotation and I mm-hmm. actually saved OB towards the end of my schedule. And I found mm-hmm. that after I evaluated all the clinical rotations that we did in school, I realized that psychiatry was the only subject matter that no matter how I felt, I never got tired of doing the reading, right? Of course, when we're in medical school, you got to go do the work and you got to go home and learn on your own, essentially. And so no matter how tired I was and sometimes scared, because this was the state psychiatric hospital, sometimes Mm -hmm. I came home and I was scared. Mm -hmm. I was always intrigued. So Mm -hmm. I decided to lean into that and um, didn't look back. So here I am. That's amazing, you know. And so I had a couple of different thoughts as well when I was going through med school. So before I went to med school, I wanted to be a pediatrician. Um, And then I actually also wanted to be a psychiatrist, but I love neurology as well. And so I love the brain. And so neurology kind of gave me a little bit of psychiatry plus, you know, a little bit of something else. It's a whole lot more than I thought. (laughs) 
but it was a great choice. So, you know, we're kind of like sister cousin specialty. So um, very cool. All right. So let's talk about um, mental wellness. What does that mean? Right. So I think that, you know, in recent years, there's become uh, increasing focus, you know, from, you know, wellness, not just being the physical aspect of health. Right. We know you need to work out. We know you need to drink water exercise and, you know, um, you know, eat a healthy diet, do all the things. But I think that there's increasing focus on the mental and emotional aspect of our health and how it's so interconnected with our physical health. So what does mental wellness mean to you? Sure. In my opinion, I believe that the most important part of mental wellness is knowing when something is not right for you, meaning mm. off balance for you or not okay for you. So it's less about this perception that people who are mentally well don't have any issues. They don't struggle with anything. They float on clouds all day long. Mm. False. In my opinion, a picture of mental wellness is almost like... You know, you'll have a car and it has like little alerts to let you know if your tire is low on air. Right. If all the sensors are working, to me, mm-hmm. that's a better um, description of mental wellness. Not that you're mm-hmm. okay all the time, but most importantly, if something is not okay or if something needs to be checked into, that you have presence of mind to uh, circle back or figure out what it is and to know when to scream, not necessarily literally, but, you know, to right. holler and scream for help. Right. I love that, you know, because I think, you know, so many times, like with the analogy you made with our cars, right? That check oil light is on. Or, oh, let me give you a better example. That gas meter, right? Y'all know how y'all do. That gas is down to E and you yes. see it's at 10 miles and you yes. just don't keep on pushing. Yes. And then next thing you know, you sitting in your driveway out of gas. Right. And so, you know, a lot of times I think people ignore those signs, you know, so I love the fact, you know, that it's not just about you don't have to be happy all the time. It doesn't mean you don't have problems, but you have to have that awareness that, okay, listen, I'm on E, I'm past E and I need to go get some gas, get refueled, get some extra help, you know, in whatever form that looks like for me so that I can, you know, get my tank refueled, so to speak. Yes. I think that that's extremely important, you know, particularly in those with chronic diseases, like, you know, multiple sclerosis, many people deal with things like depression and anxiety. Sometimes there are cycles, you know, sometimes there are different points in life where you may be good and something happens and, you know, you may recover from that, but then you may hit something again. So um, I think it's also important to know that's very fluid, right? So it's not like you just kind of reach this plateau where you're happy for the rest of your life after you get mm-hmm. over that one hump, you know, that there's going to be some fluid, um, fluidity um, to that state. Yeah. So go ahead. Go ahead. You look at you going to say something. I was thinking about, I really feel like your analogy with the gas in particular hit the nail on the head. Mm-hmm. I think because there are times, for instance, sticking with your car analogy, because it makes it less ouchy for folks. <laughs> be low on gas, but if you know that your engine is already raggedy, if mm. you know that you have not had an oil change in God knows how long, mm-hmm. you know that somebody hit the back of your car and you never got it repaired, it is not wise to then on top of that, let the red light come on every single time you run out of gas. Right, right, right. To run on fumes all the time. 
Yeah, girl, we need to write a book about that. I mean, that's <laughs> it's a thing. It's a thing. In my soul. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, so true, right? Um, but again, you know, sometimes people are ignoring the signs. And I think, you know, the point of this is, you know, to let people know that it's okay to acknowledge yeah. that there's something going on that you're not okay, right? And it's okay to begin to seek out the help you need to try to deal with that. Yeah. So, you know, um, with that in mind, um, when we think about um, the attention uh, and focus on mental health, you know, we see a lot of celebrities now talking about mental health, mm-hmm. particularly in the black community. Right. Which is a relatively new thing. You hear guys or men talking about going to therapy and meditating. Do you feel like um the attention and focus on mental health and a little bit of the stigma around mental health is improved in our community or do you do you see that in the you know in this you know psychiatry space or do we still have a long way to go I think that it has but I do believe that it's a bit of double edge a bit of a double edged sword mm-hmm. so I'll say that it has improved because um another new space where we hear these things talked about now, especially if we're talking about minority communities or different ethnic communities, it's even in religious spaces now, right? Mm-hmm. We'll hear that there are churches that have counseling centers or they'll connect you to one if you need mm-hmm. one, this and mm-hmm. the third. Of course, for people that work in psychiatry, there's nothing new about it. And right. we don't perceive that there's that much COVID aside, that right. much of an uptick in some of the illnesses that we've been seeing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will say that now... Uh, there's a lot more emphasis on certain things because I really think that uh, the pandemic in particular showed us how not okay a lot of us really were. Mm. Now, the other side of that where I say that it's a bit of a double-edged sword is this. I believe that on the one hand, I jokingly tell people there's so much free game on the internet. (laughs) Like... (laughs) Right. When we were in school, there mm-hmm. was no such thing as just going online and a therapist is on the Internet just giving you stuff that people pay for for free, right. Right. either in written form or going live to talk about this, that and the third. And mm-hmm. so I feel like it's a good thing that there's more information out there. But mm-hmm. quite as a step, I'm kind of sort of tired of seeing posts about trauma, toxicity and narcissists when people if you've never been in treatment, just right. stay away from the language. Right. Right, because right. some people are just mean. It doesn't make them a narcissist. Right. Some things are just negative experiences that you had that doesn't qualify it as trauma. Mm-hmm. It's teaching, but I have to tell the truth. And yeah. every situation that's unhealthy is not necessarily toxic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. You know, I think that it's important. You know, sometimes there is an overabundance of information, and we run into that with MS, for instance. You know, I have people coming in and using certain words. I'm like, that's not what that means. <laughs> You know what I mean? I'm like, stay off of Google. You know what I mean? Or let me tell you what to Google. You know what I mean? And where to look. Um, exactly. So um, there sometimes can be an overabundance of information. And that's why it's important to have a connection with um, mental health, special psychiatrists, psychologists, counselors, et cetera, to help you to kind of navigate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because just because somebody is saying certain words that may resonate with you yes. or even describing something that may be similar um, in some ways to what you have gone through or are going through, it doesn't mean that it's the exact same scenario, right? Yeah. Um, doesn't mean it has the same outcome. Doesn't mean that the way it needs to be approached is the same as that person. You know, sure. so every person is different. Um, so I think it's important to, you know, kind of navigate. But you're totally right. You know, there was no like go to Google and people on YouTube talking about <laughs> stuff. You know, um, listen, we 
we're friends in real life. We used to be quotes all the time. I'm like, oh, that's kind of good. You know what I mean? That kind of that hit where it was supposed to hit. You know what I mean? Um, it baby. I'm telling you, hit step, toes stepped on, all of that, right? Um, but again, it's important to have um, a frame of reference to really navigate that type of information and not use the internet as your therapy either right. you know what i mean so or you don't want to go all the way you don't want to go all the way to the other extreme so i mean that's a really really good point um so do you still think there is hesitancy for people to seek mental health yes. professional services so there you is. think there's still so even with all the stuff that we have right you can go online you can do i don't know what they call them all the I, i'm not advertising any particular programs but the online therapist the, you know all this stuff even with all the resources and everyone talking about mental health there's still a hesitancy there is um there's some places where services are more accessible mm-hmm. however i've been uh contracted with a telehealth company for let's say about six to eight months. Mm-hmm. And there are times where I see people on there and they're presenting as if this is hard. Mm-hmm. Like literally you are sitting up in your bed, not because you can't get up. Cause I want to be crystal clear, not because your depression is so severe. You cannot get out of bed. Cause that would be different. Right. Right. But there are no shows in that space. Wow. There. And wow. these are people that it's a part of their insurance benefit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where's free. Cash pay. <laughs> Free-ish, but some people have copay, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I always like to, when we talk about the cost of certain aspects of healthcare, I prefer to pr- compare it to real life stuff, right? So right. If, for those, I know a lot of your uh, viewers are from all over, but for those that have ever been in the metro Atlanta area, you and another human can easily spend $250 at Spawn Divots. Right. And not even drink alcohol. Right. Dinner. Right. So when we talk about someone, oh, they don't take insurance and their appointment is $200. Okay, Mm -hmm. well, um, if that means that we can't have, um, you know, a set of braids that reaches our tailbone, which is more than $200, because we want to (laughs) get, because we want to get well, then so be it. So it kind of taught me to realize that some people are just not in a place where they're ready. Now, some people go out there, they put their feelings out there, they go see a person. I've had people to to come under my care that they saw somebody one time, found the person off-putting, threw in a towel, never went back. Mm. Um, It's not to undermine the fact that they took them to muster up all the courage they had to make that one appointment, and then they thought the provider, be it a therapist or even a psychiatrist, was a jerk. We get that. Right. But there are a lot of people that will tell you, I know primary care docs and other specialties, OBGYN, um, family medicine, which, you know, they're kind of like the jacks of all trades. They mm-hmm. reach out, you know, to try to at least get people situated, but they might make a referral and say, hey, we think you need to see a psychiatrist. And the follow through literally does not happen. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's two things that you said that I want to uh, circle back to. So mm-hmm. one was, you know, the fact that there is access, um, but you know, people have concerns about, you know, costs. So we do know that the healthcare system, it can be very expensive, Mm -hmm. but we prioritize the things that are most important to us, you know? So um, if something is extremely important, I've seen people pay out of pocket for different types of, you know, uh, biofeedback, chiropractic, 
therapy or oh, my, my, my. You know, acupuncture, right? Yeah, eggs. So, I was just gonna say groceries, but I, yeah, but yeah, listen, we know. we talking about medical stuff, right? <laughs> Agree. You know, different herbs and all kinds of stuff, right? So again, it's about recognizing and prioritizing mental health and realizing that. Um, mental health in and of itself is important, but it absolutely affects your physical health. Yes. So when you come to your neurologist or your primary care doctor, you're like, my headaches won't go away or this won't go away, you know, and we say is stress, right? Um, that means we need to address the mental health issue or we'll never get the physical issues straightened out, right? So that needs to be prioritized just as much as if your chest was hurting, you would go to the ER, right? But you have all these signs that you're hurting mentally, but you're like, oh, well, I'm just gonna. But here's the thing, and let me know, you know, I'm not supposed to interview you, but I am interested. <laughs> no, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, child, I want to know. Uh-huh. Um, it's the same brain that can just make your arm not work one day. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the same brain that'll pull you off of a movie set, you know, with the access to the best best healthcare the world has to offer. Had you laid right. up in a hospital bed somewhere Absolutely. not being able to go back to work. Absolutely. So if it's the same brain that does that, right? why is there less attention? Because if right. that same brain doesn't get enough blood and a piece of it strokes out, we have an issue. Right. But for some reason, if that same brain has you laying in the bed, sending people to voicemail, not bathing for a week and a half. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and I, you know, I've heard so many different ways that people have addressed it. You know, um, I think that um, a lot of it is that it's, it's not something that has been um, emphasized, I think, particularly in our community, right. Sure. You know, particularly when you talk about, you know, our religious circles, you know, now there's much more openness, um, in church to talk about therapy. Um, now they got shirts to say Jesus and therapy. Okay. I'm with it. You know what I mean? But traditionally for many, that's not been the experience and they feel like it's a sign of weakness. Right. Um, you know, but I will tell you the first neurology patient that I saw, as a intern was a young woman who had attempted, you know, to harm herself mm-hmm. and she was unsuccessful in that attempt. But when she woke up in the hospital, she couldn't walk. Mm-hmm. And so she had been in a wheelchair for a year. And so I go into the exam this woman and I'm like, oh, my God, she's in a wheelchair. She can't walk. And I kind of get her up and she's almost falling down. And I go in with the neurologist and the neurologist starts talking to her and he tells her, I want you to do some exercise. I want you to move your leg. And she moved her leg. And I was sitting there with my mouth on the floor like, what in the world? <laughs> what happened? You know, but that episode had so affected yeah. her, you know, that she physically thought that she couldn't move, right? And so again, the brain has that much power. Now you can definitely have a physical stroke or something like that, that literally makes you not move, but your mind can really affect your body to the point where you've, there are certain things that you are not doing that you physically could do if your mom's in a better state, you know? And so I think that people, um, underestimate the seriousness of it. Mm. Um, you know, and in the neurology space, we often get the intersection where there are physical things that are happening and we have to kind of reconcile, okay, well, your brain looks great. So we got to figure out what's going on under here that we need to deal with because your brain itself is nothing, you know, physically in your brain, 
Mm-hmm. It looks perfect, you know? And so we, we often have to kind of reconcile those two things um, yeah. and deal with it. But, you know, I try to emphasize, listen, if your chest is hurting, you're going to go to the hospital. So yeah. if you're, you know, if all of this is going on, we need to figure out a way to address it, you know, so that we can mm-hmm. try to, you know, get you in, in better shape, so to speak. Um, so when you have someone, you know, that has those signs, right, you know, um, you know, and of course, you as a psychiatrist know better than me that there are different, you know, I won't say levels of depression, but, you know, mm-hmm. different severity, you know, you know, some people are very functional going to work, right, mm-hmm. and depressed, and some people can't get out of bed, you know, so when you see those signs, right, that your gas tank is on E, that you're not, you know, you know, firing on all cylinders, so to speak. Where does someone start, right? If they want to try to seek help, right? Or get out of that brain space, where do they start? Sure. If an individual is noticing that they're having trouble coping, mm-hmm. um, or if, you know, you love someone, you see that they have trouble coping, I recommend that everyone start with therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that people kind of nod their head like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Triggered. Sorry, add that to the list of words. I'm tired of seeing on social media. Triggered. Um, there. Everybody is triggered by. Oh my gosh. (laughs) But the reality is, people are not in therapy. Like Mm -hmm. I've worked with a few, you know, collaboratively with a few therapists. I'm like, all right, now stay in your lane. But 98 Mm percent of them, amazing to work with. are really good at separating the wheat from the tares, so to speak. You know, there are some people that can present what they have going on to a therapist and medication management might not necessarily be indicated or may not be indicated yet, right? Mm -hmm. So for instance, um, I remember a while ago knowing that my blood pressure was too high, Mm -hmm. okay? Tell on yourself, tell on yourself. Wait, and we are young, okay? So, and I'm talking about trying to do everything that I could to the mm-hmm. point. I didn't want to take medication, even though clearly hypertension runs in my family, but literally exercised, like lost weight, pressure was still high. Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately ended up um, consulting with an amazing um, nutritionist um, mm-hmm. named Nicole Ford. She helped me quite a bit. And even with that, I was able to see some gains, if you will. Mm-hmm. But the truth of the matter is, had I started earlier with the diet change, start which meant almost eliminating salt from my diet, mm-hmm. started earlier with regularly working out, it shouldn't have taken my blood pressure being like 160 over 90 something. Right. Right. For me to then look into that. Right. Had I started at a lower level of engagement, if you will, not that mm-hmm. that's important, right. then it might have been mitigated. That the truth right. of the matter is sometimes people just don't want to talk. They don't want to sit down across from somebody. They don't want to bring up all the things that are troubling them or just Mm -hmm. bring up what their real life is like. Mm -hmm. There where I've seen telehealth patients recently where they'll come and they're asking me for medicine. And when they tell me what they got going on, I'm like, first of all, simplify your life. Right. Because you, you're stressing me out. Just listening to what you're saying is making my life fast. Right. Feel is actually not going to fix that. Mm Mm-hmm. Because right. if you eat medication and you you live in chaos, right, it's, it's not, not going to fix it. your brain. Yeah, so yeah. I would say that if an individual has concerns or they want to know, first of all, let the therapist dismiss you. Mm-hmm. Let the therapist don't you dismiss you yourself. Exactly, and secondly, if 
you're seeing, for instance, let's say you've had a primary care doctor, you have a great rapport with them, you've been seeing them for a while. True enough, the, the visit might be 10 to 15 minutes every however often you go see them. Mm -hmm. But they've been seeing you for five to six years of 10 to 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. If you spontaneously start crying in their office and they ask you, are you okay? Don't lie. Right. Don't lie. Even if they don't have time to fix it, their time is very, very limited. Same for you. If you're Dr. Mitzi's patient from forever, she loves you very much. She cares about you. No, she doesn't necessarily have an hour to sit there and be your therapist in the moment. But if you at least tell her the truth, she can at least shoot you some referrals for some people. Maybe at least you can go talk to and decide what the next step is going to be. Right. And I think, you know, we've talked about this before. People have to get okay with not being okay. And when someone asks how you're doing, it's a reflex almost to just say, I'm good. It's it's a reflex, even if it's not true. Um, And oftentimes it's because we're talking to somebody in passing and, you know, you know, at the end of the day, they may not really care how you're doing. So you're just trying to get away. But when you're in those spaces, you know, with people who can really help make a difference, it's important to be honest. Like I I can't, I mean, I don't think we can stress that enough. And so I want to circle back to something else that you said earlier um, about, okay, let's say you say, all right, I'm having issues. I'm going to go see a therapist and you see one that you don't like, right? Um, (laughs) You know, it happens, right? But I tell people, okay, listen, you know, I get my hair braided all the time. If I go see somebody and they do a bad job on my hair, number one, I'm not going to go back, right? So (laughs) you shouldn't keep going back if it's not a good experience because you're not going to get anything out of it. But number two, does that mean I'm never going to get my hair done again? Absolutely not. Everything else in life, we have teams of people to help us stay fly, take care of our kids, do all the things, right? But when it comes to our health care, it's like, oh, well, I didn't like that one person. I'm never going mm-hmm. back, right? You're going to find you a new nail tech. You're going to find you a new hair. You're going to find somebody else to do your brows, your lashes, all the things, right? Um, and so if you encounter someone, even if it is you know, not an optimal experience, they may not be the best person for you. If it's True. not a right fit. That doesn't mean quit, right? That right. means keep going. Right. And then maybe that's a good time, particularly depending on how you found that person to reach out to one of your physicians or a member of your healthcare team to ask for referrals. Because maybe you saw somebody online and you were like, okay, they look like they're talking good. Let me try them. And it wasn't a good fit. You know, what are your thoughts about that? I think that's true. I would also like to say something that, you know, people don't say a lot. If you don't, there's nothing wrong with telling the person what your concern is. Mm-hmm. You don't have to disappear into the woods. Right. So at the end of the day, if there is something that makes you uncomfortable without it, everyone, I only treat adults. I don't take care of kids no more. So if you are mm-hmm. grown and you are having a conversation that you paid for right. with another grown person mm-hmm. and there's something that is concerning and you're really trying your best to make a positive change in your life, it's not the end of the world to let the person know, to say to them, when you said X, Y, and Z, it was a bit offensive or I found it off-putting because there's sometimes where people will bring their whole selves into that first appointment 
And the kind of, I'm very direct with people, but I sleep well at night, number one, and I just respect people too much to take their money and lie to them. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, I often just mirror back to people some of what they give. I'm not talking about matching energy. Let me be right. clear. Be but clear. <laughs> I literally will say, hey, well, it sounds like you said that this, 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 and this happened. And a lot of times people get offended because they literally don't want to be held accountable for anything. Right. When you're coming into a treatment alliance, either with a therapist, I'm not one in real life, so I can't speak on their behalf, mm -hmm. or even with a psychiatrist or even your primary care doctor, they're not getting paid to tell you what you want to hear. They're getting paid to tell you the truth according to the medicine that they learned in school. Right. It doesn't have to align with your personal beliefs, right? If you are a person that is a Catholic, would it be amazing if your therapist were one also? Mm, yeah. But now if we're not talking about what happens right after you die, if we're here just talking about anxiety and you can have a conversation generally about higher power and not be offended, mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that person can't treat you. Right. There was a lot of time in medicine where most physicians, especially in your field and definitely in mine, were white men. Mm -hmm. They were right. always delivering babies, even in all fields of medicine. So at the right. end of the day, you might not click on every gear with the person that's treating you initially. Mm -hmm. but I think that it's worth at least if there's something you find egregious, tell the person. Mm -hmm. All the time, tell mm -hmm. the person. Number one, you might be informing them of something that they need to be aware of. Right. Right. Number two, it could be an opportunity for you to practice standing up for yourself because mm -hmm. some help because they have poor boundaries mm -hmm. so everybody in the world runs you ragged and then you come to the place where you're supposed to get help and you don't have any boundaries in that dynamic either right well so instead of confronting not necessarily in a hostile way the mm -hmm. individual to say i felt like you talked over me when i said dot 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 mm -hmm. even if you never see them again after right. the session after that you've learned how to mitigate something that used to cause you anxiety Mm -hmm. And I love that, you know, we talk a lot on Brain Chat about patient empowerment, right? Um, and when I think of patient empowerment and shared decision-making, it's not necessarily like Burger King, like you yeah. go in and tell somebody what you want and that's what you get, right? Because, you know, each physician that you encounter has a level of expertise, you know, that they bring to the table. But at the same time, you can also have a conversation, right? And if there are things that don't sit well with you or there are issues, you know, that are concerning, you can address those. And if it's something that doesn't seem like it can be resolved, then maybe that is not the person for you. Um, but in some cases, it may be something where they're like, okay, well, you know, then let's reframe that, right? Or let's see how we can work around that. So I really love that idea of, you know, having those conversations, not just walking away, um, um, you know, in, in, your, in your treatment process, particularly because in a lot of cases, you may not be able to find somebody that looks exactly like you. For instance, you know, if you're looking for, you know, a Black neurology MS specialist, they're like, 20 of us in the country, you know what I mean? So unless you live in certain parts of the country, you physically may not be able to find that, but it doesn't mean that there aren't, um, you know, good, you know, physicians who are, you know, competent and able to take care of you. So yeah. um, I think that's a really important point. Thank you for bringing that out. Sure. Now let's think about um, a loved one, you know, or a care partner, right? So, you know, when we think about the healthcare team, Oftentimes we think of the person or individual with the condition being at the center of that team. And oftentimes in the team, we think of medical professionals. Yes. But 
the healthcare, your your care partner, right? Whether it's a spouse, whether it's another family member, whether it's a best friend, you know, is also a part of that team. Yes. And so one thing that I often stress with my patients um, is to incorporate them in some of those visits, right? They may not need to be a part of all of them, but they often may have a different perspective. Sometimes they may see things that you may not be as aware of or bring things to your attention. And so what does that loved one do if they see someone, you know, um, having difficulty or showing maybe some signs of depression that they maybe don't want to, don't seem to be dealing with or don't seem to be um, attempting to seek help? Or yeah. how, how do they kind of approach helping that person? Uh, very strategically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm assuming um, that you mean a care partner who is in front of you as the doctor because they yes. have invited to attend the appointment with the patient. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. The reason why I say tr- uh, strategically is because obviously, um, you know, Dr. Mitzi is the patient's neurologist, but whoever that human is that's in there with them still has to engage with them in real life outside of these sporadic appointments with the neurologist. If the care partner or the loved one, for instance, is a spouse, they have already said that they're going to be with you, even with this diagnosis that you guys, neither of you saw coming and you are now here. However, their quality of life matters too. I would Mm -hmm. say for that individual that's there with the loved one and they have concerns to not necessarily, you do want to avoid embarrassing the other person, Mm -hmm. but I do believe it's okay to ask questions, number one, for your own learning. If they mm-hmm. bring when I used to see patients and they would show up with somebody in there, I would literally say to them, if you're bringing someone in here, this is implied consent. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to mince my words and tiptoe right. around things if you've brought this other human in here. So I think that is an amazing opportunity for the care partner to raise different questions about different things, not to eat up the appointment, right. but to strategically drop a question like, well, Dr. Mitzi, I'm just, you know, with this new medicine, that Sugarfoot is on. I mean, how many, if we have a wedding reception, how many shots can they take if they're right. passing around tequila? I do get that question. And that is a great way to say, hey, she eating them pills, but she is turning up. Every time right. she turns around, she drinks. Now, it's, you know, that's not going to be well received, but you can place a question like that that puts the physician in a situation where they can expand and whether mm-hmm. or not the other person wants to punch you. It's out there and it's out in the open. You've put a bug in the prescriber's ear. Mm-hmm. You know, might be something for them to follow up on next time. Mm-hmm. Similarly, if you notice, for instance, that someone is not um, taking care of what we call their activities of daily living, they're only mm-hmm. bathing three times a week. Um, right. They're not eating. They're in the visit telling an outright lie. You know, pick and choose your battles, right? Because you don't want to get uninvited, to the next appointment. Exactly. Decide what is most worrisome for you in that moment Mm -hmm. and try to use the opportunity to ask the question without going in there feeling like you're snitching, you're this, you're that. The Mm -hmm. individual is already likely embarrassed. They already have this Mm -hmm. chronic illness that requires your assistance to even get in and out of this appointment. So there's that. But also they need to know that you're not in there nitpicking and placing blame. They already know physically already wrong with them. The last thing a person mm-hmm. wants to feel is like you're saying that, you know, their brain is just broke all around because not right. only you, want to, you know, let your leg work, you're also crazy. Right, right. So I would say to use the visit as an opportunity to ask questions that will kind of tip off the prescriber or the physician, as mm-hmm. well as indirectly let the, the patient know, hey, 
I'm worried about this without right. saying that directly if you think right. it's going to upset the relationship. Yeah. And I think that that's important, you know, and I do agree. If you bring somebody in there with you, then they're going to they're going to get all the business <laughs> like, you know. Um, but I do agree that having that perspective is extremely important. I'll give you an example. I also would encourage my patients, you know, to be open. You know, if somebody is bringing up an issue, yeah. um, they're there with you. Yes. Um, they obviously are concerned about you in some capacity. And often those issues or things that they bring up are because they are concerned and want to make sure that you're doing the right thing. Um, and I recently had someone that come to see me and the person was a smoker and the spouse was like, um, telling me that the patient was a smoker and the patient was upset. And I'm like, well, you smell like cigarettes. Like, I can smell it. Like, you know what I mean? But they were like adamantly upset. Like I was like, well, what did you mark on the history? And they were like, I marked no, I always mark no. And I'm like, but you came in here smelling like cigarettes. Like, what did you expect me to think? You know? So again, in that particular case, it was because that person was concerned about risk for other diseases and things like that. You know what I mean? People who are there with you at those visits, who see you on a day-to-day basis, if they see you struggling they often just want, you know, to make sure that you're getting the appropriate help that you need or at least know about your options. Right. So that you can make an informed decision um, about the help that you need. And so I think that that, you know, that is a super key. But I just was so flabbergasted, like, you know, like um, I can smell that you smoke and you were going to mark no. Like, <laughs> OK, you already mark no. And you know, right. You are you and you always mark no. And you've been smoking for like. 30 years. I mean, it's yeah. just, okay. All right. You know, so, um, so what other things or tips can we give people to, um, to focus or help their mental wellness? Are there things that people can do? Like, you know, we know exercise can improve or boost mood. Um, what other tips can we give people, you know, to, um, be aware of what's going on with them mentally and to make sure that they're, you know, seeking the appropriate, you know, care or paying the appropriate attention to what's going on with them. Sure. I think that asking questions themselves is important. As Mm -hmm. we were talking earlier, one of the things that crossed my mind um, randomly was that, you know, when we were in school, we recall being taught very directly about things like estrogen and progesterone and testosterone being hormones. But guess Mm -hmm. what? So was serotonin. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The first time I think I heard serotonin referred to as that, that stuck, obviously was in medical school, mm-hmm. but when I was literally doing psychiatry, when mm-hmm. in fact it's a hormone that has activity in your brain and in other parts of your body too, right. just like some of the other ones, right? Mm-hmm. So for women, it's not otherworldly if we realize that two weeks before our cycle starts, we are trying to rip people's heads off. Or as I've said about myself recently, eating everything that is not nailed down. That's a reach mentally for us. That makes common sense. But the notion that another hormone can be out of whack, thereby Mm -hmm. causing me to be fatigued, avoidant, more irritable, Mm -hmm. that's 
stuff. So I would say, number one, if you have a question, ask. Like, we're in a treatment relationship with someone who is taking care of you. This is not your dentist, by the way. It's your primary care doctor. No shade on the dentist, but they don't have time for that. You can't talk about it in your mouth. Right. Um, I went the other day and it didn't Ask a question. Number two, we all, I always tell people, if you have a question, just go see a therapist. Mm-hmm. Like I have yet to meet a human that cannot benefit from talking to a therapist at mm-hmm. least one good time. Mm-hmm. It's very important to have another individual that does not know you personally be able to listen to you tell the whole truth about certain things without judgment. Mm. Some of y'all think that your Facebook feed is your therapist. It is not. Neither is it your journal. Mm. That's not where we process heartache, disappointment, um, outrage at the political landscape. Mm -hmm. That's not where we process being triggered by watching people gun down because of the color of their skin. That's not the place for that. Mm -hmm. Because most of the people aren't your real friends in real life. First and foremost, they're absolutely not. Right. (laughs) But on the flip side, it's crazy. People put all sorts of stuff on there, but they won't put their weight or their hemoglobin A1C on. How about that? (laughs) Or that they smoke. (laughs) Or whether or not they smoke or whether or not they've ever, you know, tried drugs. Like other Mm -hmm. sorts of stuff people put there that it just literally doesn't belong there, but they Mm -hmm. won't put it where it goes. So I would say Mm -hmm. definitely see a therapist. Mm -hmm. Also, if you have people around you that you really do believe love you, um, don't dismiss them if they say they're concerned. Right. Don't write people off and have an attitude with people if they're saying, well, maybe you should X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. I think that's a sticky point too, especially with substance use. There are a lot of times when people come in um, and the topic of substance use is broached and people gloss over it. Well, if you know that every time you see so-and-so, they're drinking out of a red cup, you can't be drinking out of the red cup all the time. All the time. And the tragedy is, is they're not necessarily drinking out of the red cup because they want to have a good time. They drinking out of the red cup because they started one night because they couldn't sleep. Mm-hmm. And the red cup went from having a little vodka to a little vodka after the wine I had with dinner mm-hmm. to Patron to, you know what I mean? It progresses. Mm-hmm. But we sit there and watch people walk the ladder right. using something like alcohol to cope with other things that they will not go talk about. Right. But then now when you're getting written up on your job mm-hmm. is what we're saying, well, girl, maybe you should talk to somebody. Well, bro, mm-hmm. maybe you need to talk to some. It's too late. Don't let me right. get fired. Right. It's like you said, right, with the example about the blood pressure, the earlier you start, right, when you first see those signs, the easier, I won't say the easier it is, but the better off, you know, you may wind up if you start dealing with it earlier than waiting until it gets completely out of control, you know, and, you know, with MS, you know, one of the things I stress is that oftentimes, you know, having that outside person to talk with you without judgment is extremely important because many people feel burden because of the physical difficulties they have. And so they may have, you know, loved ones who have to help them around the house or help do some of these duties, or they may not be able to work in the same capacity they used to. And so, you know, people feel um, bad putting extra stress on their loved ones. So they're like, well, I've got all this physical stuff going on. I don't then want to talk to them about 
me feeling depressed or having anxiety because I don't want to put any additional burden on them, mm-hmm. you know? And so then they wind up kind of going within themselves and it causing more physical problems because many of the symptoms of depression, for instance, overlap with MS symptoms like yeah. fatigue, um, yeah. like difficulty with concentration and attention, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, the importance of having that outside person as a part of your team, that therapist is extremely important because, you know, you don't, oftentimes they don't want to tell, you know, the folks who are helping them every day because they feel guilty about the other help that they're getting and they don't also want to, you know, get counseling help, so to speak, from them. So, you know, um, thank you for um, pointing that out. That's an amazing point. Um, You know, anything else you'd like to share as we get ready to close? That time went by fast. Anything else you would like to share? No, I'm actually good. I think it's been a good discussion and hopefully the viewers will receive the sincerity and the spirit, you know, what we said tonight and just kind of feel better about the choices that they make regarding their health care going forward. Yeah, well, I love it. We always have an amazing discussion when you come on Brain Chat. Thank you uh, for your time, uh, you know, and your amazing knowledge and expertise. You know, I think, you know, the goal of all of this is to empower people, right? Um, We want people to live well. We want people to live their best life and realize that mental health is an essential, essential part, just like your heart needs to be pumping, just like your lungs need to be exchanging oxygen, just like your brain neurons need to be firing, you know, your mental health and well-being is an essential part um, of your overall health and wellness. And so we don't want to gloss over it. We want people to pay attention to it. And like we said earlier, if that gas tank is on E, don't Mm. let the fumes go and don't run out of gas in the driveway. Okay. Go to the gas station and fill up. Right. You know, and while you at it, get that engine checked, get that oil (laughs) changed and get those tires rotated. All right. So all of that to say, thank you so much, Dr. Jackson. We had a wonderful discussion. Thank you all so much for tuning into Brain Chat. And we will see you again in two weeks with the next episode. Have a great night, everybody. Good night.